Welcome to another edition of the Jackets Online Podcast. I'm Kelly Coleman. Joining me is Jared Hallis. My voice is a little bit shot. I'm still uh, kind of battling this cough bug thing that I've had for a couple weeks now. But um, we'll try to to get through the white and blue, the Georgia Tech spring game, or the golden blue, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the uh, blue team, which would be the first team offense, ended up winning 24-14. It was not televised, it was not streamed per Paul Johnson's request. Uh, understandably, with a new defensive coordinator and a lot of new pieces at different positions, he uh, didn't really see any upside in putting the game on TV. And having watched some of the kind of lousy spring games, um, you know, eating lunch in a bar or whatever, or like some, you know, restaurant, I can imagine uh, <laughs> the sort of relief some people have. I, I, I don't like spring games. I like watching them just because, um, you know, this is one of the few times we get to watch a whole scrimmage or whatever. But right. if if Paul had let us in for some other scrimmages, I'd be content not watching the spring game. I mean, I don't know how you feel. You were there, Jared, too. Kind of what were your thoughts? I mean, uh, are, are you sure about that, man? I mean, we didn't bring in 75,000 people, so we pro- we probably shouldn't even have one anymore. Well, you know what's funny about that whole stat, right, with the attendance? If you look at it, there was like 14 schools that drew over 20,000. Then everyone else was about the same as Georgia Tech or less. Like Vanderbilt yeah. might have had like 500 people at their spring what, game. What was the number? It was around like 9,000 or something. Yeah, it was 8,500 or something. It was actually probably one of the best crowds I've seen for a spring Oh, absolutely. Game it, was, it was one of the better ones I've seen for sure, especially since Paul Johnson's taking the reins. So I mean, I was I was really pleased with the with the outcome. I mean, and I wasn't I was I definitely wasn't disappointed with what I saw from from any of the players either. Especially when you take into consideration all the the key players that weren't able to play due to whatever. But I mean, there was there was definitely some upsides to the game. Yeah, there was. Let's see, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There were eleven guys in the two deep, of which um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight of those eleven were starters. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean it was, there's a lot of people that find some things to complain about, and I mean, I guess you can if you really want to, but it's a. I mean, it's a practice at the end of the day, and I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to, like, pull something out of it, there's a lot of positive things you can pull out of. It especially after you take into consideration what you just got done saying about how eight starters weren't even able to play. Yeah, I mean, basically you had uh, four offensive linemen out, a fifth one who played the game hurt, Will Bryan. And that's where it all goes down, too, is the offensive line. And it's so crucial in, in any offense, but especially Georgia Tech's offense. So with with two quarterbacks galloping around that have never played a single actual minute of college football, I mean, you can't really set your expectations too high. No, and I thought the, that Tobias and Lucas handled themselves pretty well. Absolutely. I completely um, agree. And I was actually kind of impressed with Hazel Lee. I think it was his third practice at center. Um, he looked good. You know, I joked with somebody the other day, I love, I love Jazz. He's a good kid. He, you know, had a little thing with jumping off sides, and I said, well – he's playing center that sort of eliminates that problem now (laughs) um so i think for him he's a guy who's much better at um just kind of hitting and doing what he needs to do and i think that he may actually benefit from that the 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 
kind of word on the street with Kenny Cooper. Paul Johnson said three to four months. Um, it could be a lot longer. Um, you know, I wouldn't it it wouldn't surprise me if he plays in the fall, and it would not surprise me if he, he if he takes his redshirt year. He didn't did not redshirt um, as a freshman. I think with when you're dealing with feet, lower leg, lower extremity injuries, mm-hmm. um, you got to be very careful. He's a 300 plus pound guy. Um, it's going to be a long time before he can put weight on it. And the thing people don't realize is, um, you know, he's on a mobility scooter right now. It'll be a while before he can run and do can just basic conditioning. And uh, it's kind of a long way back. And they kind of saw the downside of that with Andrew Marshall last year, trying to hurry himself back and, and, and re-injures himself. And um, I think if you feel okay with Jahaziel and Andrew Marshall at center, that you you take a slow approach with Kenny, and if he's ready after a couple games, even maybe you play him, but you don't rush him back. And I think that's probably, if I were to guess, is what Paul Johnson's going to do. And uh, hopefully he has a good recovery. Hopefully this is a moot point and he's ready to go in August. But I, if I'm a Tech fan, I'm, I'm you got to be sort of cautious uh, with with Kenny in terms of when he'll come back. The other guys. Um, with injuries in the offensive line, Parker Bronze was not serious. Uh, Andrew Marshall, um, really, I think he may maybe could have been cleared had it been football season um, from his surgery. He was moving around fine. He's not in a cast or anything anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And then Stickler, I, I'll be curious to see what, what kind of happens with Jake. He's uh, he's had a tough bout of injuries, and uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be shocked. He's a guy that I could see – not not playing in the fall, like just being like, nah, I'm not going to put my body through this. He's done with school, I think, and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Jake does long term. Um, you know, I, I know he wants to play, but uh, health-wise, it may be advisable for him to, to think about retirement. Toquan was out with strep throat, which has been going around. You had neither safety play, AJ or Jalen Johnson, so that was kind of one of the few things I thought was really interesting. I liked seeing Tariq Carpenter running around out there. Um, I liked seeing uh, I think Johnny Carroll almost had an interception too, didn't he? Yeah, Johnny had his hands on a ball. Uh, Tariq got a ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was nice to see those guys kind of be put in position to make plays and, and to be aggressive. And I think, you know, I I spent the weekend talking to recruits. I was at a camp, and um, I, one of the kids I talked to was – was a corner that came down for, uh, for to watch the scrimmage on Friday. His name's Fentrell Cypress. Yeah, yeah, I talk, I did the interview with him. Yeah, so Fentrell, Northwestern guy. Uh, yeah, from Northwestern Rock, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And um, Fentrell was telling me that it was night and day, like watching the defense, like with, with the current coordinator Nate Woody versus with um. Ted Roof and how aggressive they were and how they played the corners and he really liked what he saw the guys getting after it being chatty on the field mm-hmm. um I you know I think there's a lot to be excited about I think you can tell from coach Johnson's tenor from the players tenor they're excited about what Nate's doing I think it's really interesting from talking to coach Woody both uh media wise and then kind of on the side um that I, I've just been really impressed with the guy. I mean, not you know, he's not giving away trade secrets, but 
when we talk, I'm just really impressed with him as a person and uh-huh. kind of his coaching style and the way he's teaching these kids and how he gets them fired up to play football. On defense, it's such an effort-based thing. Like with offense, you can scheme things and make things happen. Defense, it's so much harder. You, you just have to really want it and play hard and be put in position where you can rally to the football. And I think they did a nice job of that. You saw kind of um, – which you'd like to see, like, I mean, Brant Mitchell and Vic Alexander had 10 tackles and limited duty. Uh, Bruce Jordan had three. Um, you know, they played basically kind of a nickel package, actually, um, in the in the spring game. Just they were down numbers-wise at linebacker. They had essentially, I think it was seven scholarship linebackers for this scrimmage. So they mm-hmm. couldn't play their full 3-4 package. Um, so, like, Jaquan Henderson shifted over. He played on the on the two defense and um, they played with that nickel. So that kind of gives you an idea of one of the two looks. They have a three, four look and the three, three, five look. You saw the three, three, five in the spring game. That was not the, the base defense per se. That was just an adaptation to, to personnel situations. And you'll see times where you have both, um, both, you know, Vic and Jaquan or whoever the other outside linebacker is, on the field together, uh, especially when they play like run heavy teams, like maybe a pit or, um, who's kind of shifted over to that or Miami. So I have a question for you, by the way, yeah, uh, just, just from the spring game, I feel like Trey Jackson is kind of a player that caught my eye a little bit, but Trey, I, I, then again, I, he, he, he's always someone I feel like has, has done pretty well in practice, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't go to, you know, any, any practices or anything. I'm just talking about from spring games and things like that. I feel like he's always, you know, kind of around the ball and flying around. Definitely a high energy guy, and he was—he's that way on kickoffs as well. Yeah, um, yeah. With Trey, um, he's been a guy that kind of didn't fit in because of the being undersized. He's played well, even even in the defense when when he was brought in in the past to come off the bench when they were really testing their depth, like in the Miami game when Bruce Jordan Swilling's head was kind of spinning. And yeah. They kept running those plays at him. They brought Trey in. Trey kind of shirt things back up for a little bit um he's he's you know undersized and plays with a lot of heart um do you see anything for him this year this will be his last season right yeah i think so the rub there is you have jaquez jackson if you're going to play him and he's had a great spring yeah he has a lot more upside then you go with jaquez because you have there's more long-term benefits he's eventually you eye him to replace Brant Mitchell at that inside linebacker position because Brant's mm. a senior. Right. So to me, the value, if they're close, is you play Quez. But I, from talking to Coach Woody, it sounded like he wants to roll. He wants to roll at least two guys at every spot. So there's certainly an opportunity for a guy like Trey to get on the field. Uh, the, the guy who could push him, too, is uh, David Curry, who – hurt his thumb in camp and missed the spring game. He was doing well. He's, They've tried him at both inside and outside. I'm not sure where he's going to uh, – where he'll end up long term. Uh, I think that kind of depends on how some of the guys look that they brought in and um, as they move some more pieces around in the fall. But, uh, you know, uh, Trey's a kid. He's a great kid, great uh, representative of Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, this defense fits what his skill set is really well. So maybe he can find a way to get on the field. Um, the other thing was the offensive line they were going against, that second, 
was basically guys who'd never played and walk-ons. Right. And that's True. no offense to those guys, but basically all of the guys with a reasonable amount of experience were moved up to the one. So you had, like, Zach Quinney and Charlie Clark who played a little bit. And then um, that basically left the bench because Stickler was out with no no veteran players. So they were – that two unit was – at one point I think it was, like, Hampton, Gibbs, Connor Hansen, um, a walk-on – another walk-on, Chetla God. Scott Morgan, who's playing guard for the first time again in a while, mm-hmm. and Jack DeFore. So, you know, that was a bunch of guys who haven't played or been through a spring healthy or, you know, Scott missed almost all last year. Um, you know, Hamp, Hamp's, uh, uh, you know, a guy who works hard. But, you know, and Chet, so they're both walk-ons. They're, they're physically – not always able to play at the same level as, say, lining up and going against Brentavious Glanton and Brandon Adams and, you know, Tyler Merriweather or whoever. Oh, Antoine Owens, he was the other guy playing in. Like, those guys abused that second line. Antoine Owens had, like, six tackles in the game. Uh, Glanton had four. Um, you know, so uh, <laughs> I just uh, – it was uh, it was not an ideal situation for that second offense, but – one thing that was really encouraging to me, Jared, was seeing how Jerry Howard got off. Um, I mean, there was not a lot of space to operate in, and he was getting yards and pushing guys, and and, and that was encouraging. I really feel like they're going to have a one-two punch at B-back this fall. Absolutely, and I, I mean, a lot of people felt that it could have been that way last year as well, but yeah, he definitely, he definitely made some plays out of nothing, and there were some times where, you know, obviously we've been talking this whole time about how it was kind of a shaky offensive line. Paul Johnson kind of just had to throw people out there together. I mean, it was a mixed match group. Definitely not what you're going to see come the fall if people, you know, get healthy. So it was it was really cool to see him able to pick up some big carries and, and you know, drag some people along with him despite having to do it as soon as he got the ball handed to him. Yeah, I mean, he was basically having to dodge guys from the, from the initial contact. Jerry ended up with 64 yards on 13 carries and had no negative rushes, which was pretty amazing considering what he was he was up against. Um, you know, they didn't Cravante didn't get much work. He, uh, yeah, I think he had like seven carries for 20 yards or something. Um, mm. He did have a touchdown. Um, the other <clears throat> the other thing offensively that kind of stood out to me, and I wrote about this quite a bit on Jackets Online, was. Clint Lynch looked like Clint Lynch from like two years ago. Oh, he was. That's always exciting too. I mean, he is an X. He is an X factor because you know Quay's a great player, but Clinton is really dynamic at that a back position. He can run through tackles. He's great at catching the ball. He just has a nose for the big play, and um, Mm -hmm. seeing him catch the football and out there running on some of those tosses and the acceleration that he got was really really exciting to watch and I think that um, if he can stay healthy he has a chance to be you know have a really special senior year he he was down on himself last year he was not happy with how he performed you mm-hmm. know he had a lot of pain and dealing with his knees and stuff and um, I, I'm just really encouraged by what I saw there I think that him and, and Quay and Cottrell that's a pretty good trio uh, Mar Jarrett had a really strong camp. Um, had a couple chances to make some plays. Some balls were a little not quite on the money from Tobias. Um, 
to him. But you know, it was encouraging to see all that. You know, uh, I think there's they're building some depth there at A back. I'll be curious to see how some of those young guys come in and fill in, like Tajay Wale and um, Dante Smith there, if they can get on the field. But that was encouraging. It was encouraging to see um, Brad Stewart catch balls that he should catch. That's what I was going to say, and there was, I mean, he had a, a lot of other opportunities for big plays too, but uh, Lucas Johnson kind of underthrew a, a few balls that could have been big play balls, but, you know, I mean, Brad Stewart, what do you have, 100 yards on three catches? Yeah, he had 100 yards, three catches. Really, if um, Johnson puts one of those passes on the money, he has a 70-yard touchdown in this play. Yeah, his one his one that he didn't quite make it all the way in was very underthrown, and, but he came back to it and he had to he had to kind of beat a guy into the end zone, whereas if it would have been a uh, a good pass, probably would have just walked in. And Lucas was hard on himself after he, you know, Lucas has probably been, and he'd tell you this, really a disappointment this spring. His hamstrings have bothered him. He has not been able to, wasn't able to practice for about two, basically half over half a camp. Um, the first time he he felt ha- healthy since the first scrimmage was was uh, Friday night. So. You know, I think you could see he wasn't quite confident throwing the football. Um, it, it's early in the game, it was interesting. He settled down and threw the ball a lot better in the second half. Still was kind of underthrowing some balls. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how how he progresses, whether or not he can separate himself from Tobias. It was interesting because you could see in Tobias what people like he's basically a bigger version of Taquan Marshall like I was gonna say I I really like I mean I know I was just kind of dogging on the passing game a little bit but I mean everybody was pleased with it I was I was skeptical at first but you know when you add in all the factors I mean he didn't have an ideal situation to really you know have have enough time to really get throw his best balls on every play so I mean and plus like you were saying he's he's had a rough spring he hasn't been 100% healthy so I mean, he he went out there and he did a good job and I also I, I thought Tobias looked really quick. I don't think I would be, you know, obviously I, I I'm a Taquan Marshall fan for the most part. I I think he does a lot of good things, but I wouldn't if something bad were to happen and, and one of those guys were to have to play, I wouldn't you know throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. So I think I, you, I think the difference is and Coach Johnson's kind of alluded to this a little bit. Lucas and Tobias are two totally different players. Tobias and Taquan are similar. Yeah, absolutely. Calling a game and that game plan for Lucas Johnson is so is different. And so it is kind of a weird situation if you get into the situation where you have to play him out of an injury, you, you call a different game, they're gonna throw the football more. <clears throat> they're gonna change. And it kinda of scares me a little bit with him because that was that was kind of the adjustments that they made for Bad Lee and you know, it didn't really work out as so. well. Sure, and um, you know, that's uh, I'm sure that's in the back of Paul Johnson's mind as well. So I think that um, at the end of the day, you got to he's got to figure out who's going to be his horse next year. So if you don't think it's Lucas, then uh, to me, you you make someone else the backup quarterback. But you know who knows what goes on in practice right now and what happens. There's a lot of time. Plus, you have James Graham coming in um, from South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. He's he's got a good size and speed, so. Yeah, so it'll be an in, it's an interesting problem to have. They have quite a few options at quarterback. It's just going to be curious to see who who the guy is that can figure it out. And you know, remember too, with Tobias, this is his first spring, so he's just you know kind of getting 
used to the offense and getting his first real reps. He was on scout team last year, so um, you know that's a, you know there's usually a huge jump up in from that first spring to the second one for whoever plays quarterback. And that was the thing that I think they were kind of underwhelmed with with Lucas. They were hoping to see that big jump up that every other quarterback has made during that time, and and he wasn't able to do it just because he wasn't on the field, and so. He's got to try to do that in the fall and really kind of separate himself too, um, going forward at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about James Graham. I feel like he's a kind of a mix between, you know, Lucas and Tobias, and you know, all, all you know, maybe even a little bit of Justin Thomas in there too. I like he's like I said, he's got good size and good speed, and he's not a guy that you really have to change the game plan for. You know, like we we're discussing about Lucas Johnson, but. He's also the kind of guy that, I mean, could probably put some good balls in the air and also do it on the ground as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly he picks up the offense too. I think that um, that's a whole other X factor to all of this and um, something that, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing. And, uh, you know, kind of looking around, um, they you know, Brent, it was nice to actually see Brent King kick a 40-yard field goal that had some distance on it. Um, that would have been good from further out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He could have made that from a lot further out. He got his PATs. Um, mm-hmm. Presley punted the ball well, uh, except he had one kind of. He punted like eleven times or something. So yeah, it was eleven times. That's a I lot. A lot of work for a guy like that. Um, Average like forty-three yards a punt, which is good, but he wasn't. You know, no one's running at him. So. Yeah, and he's not trying to kill it. And the guys set up, set up to return it. So. It's a little bit different, but I think that, um, you know, overall the the only kind of bummer was not seeing Taquan in the spring game. Yeah. And I know yeah. he was kind of devastated. He wanted to play and get out there. I think it was tough watching them not have the quarterbacks live, but I understand why he did that. Um, I think, you know, unless you are super confident and have a lot of depth there, it's hard to go live with the quarterbacks, and I know they protected Justin his last year in the spring game. And um, you know, I totally get why why Paul made the decision to not have have the guys live. And I, I think it's worth it through and through. I mean, it, it doesn't make that huge of a difference. I mean, I guess it does because the quarterbacks are going to be running a lot in, in Paul Johnson's system. But at the end of the day, it's worth it to have everybody walk out healthy, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, think about it, you know, you could have had a situation where two, three guys get hurt, and you're going through the rest of the spring with Mark Rue, no offense to Mark, who's a really nice kid, but he is not quarterback. Right. You know, and you could have got stuck with him running the offense, and that would have been pretty tough on everyone. So Less than I do, we'll just say that. Yeah, and that was sort of Paul's point about it to the media. He was like, look, I... I didn't want to get in a situation where I didn't have enough guys to practice with. Like, you got to get through practice. So I think that, um, you know, the, if they had had a Chase Martinson on the roster, who was a real quarterback who could actually play quarterback at a high level, then I, they probably would have had at least Lucas and Tobias live and Chase live. So hopefully they'll get another walk-on quarterback. I haven't actually looked at that to see if they sign one for, or they don't sign them, but they have one committed to come in as a preferred walk-on in this class. But you'll add James in, and that'll get you back to four. 
Um, and then obviously they'll sign at least one, if not two, in the next cycle. So um, they'll be back sort of at the number. He likes to be around five at the quarterback position and then mm. you move a couple guys around. I feel like it's never really been at five, though. For uh, like a- Last year it was, but someone always gets hurt or leaves. So you had last year going into camp, you had Matthew Taquan. Uh, Lucas, Jay Jones, and Tobias. Oh, that's so true. Like, totally forgot about Jay Jones. And then Jay leaves, and and Matt retires, and that's sort of what put you down because you had those two guys, and they knew Matthew was going to be around because he was going to grad school. So like, you f- that threw their whole quarterback number off a little bit when when Jay left. So that's sort of what caused a lot of this. And that having those five quarterbacks also probably hampered their ability to go get a high quality preferred walk on as well because no one wants to come in and and have zero shot at playing like you at least want to be able to come in and play in scrub time or whatever right and if you have five guys who are not and only one of them maybe is red shirting then that's that's a rough situation to be in yeah i mean i I think we got a solid quarterback group like i was saying i i I would feel comfortable I mean, obviously, I feel more comfortable with, with Taquan playing, but I'd feel comfortable with whether whether it was Taquan or or Lucas or Tobias. I, I think they all have a, a pretty good upside. So, any kind of other thoughts that you had on the spring game? Anything catch your eye? Um, I mean, not really. I think we pretty much covered everything for the most part. It was a it was a pretty good day out there. Finally, finally, some nice weather. I mean, that's always been the the big thing for Georgia Tech spring games. It's easy to look at, you know, the attendance and, and pretend like it matters and say that no one's coming out to support. But at the end of the day, I mean, no, especially when it's been televised the past few years, there's and nobody's going to want to go out there and sit in the rain to, to watch, you know, a spring game. It's just, that's just the truth. It would, it, that's not, it's not going to happen anywhere. No, so. and I mean, I've seen many a spring game that had – Sort of. I mean, Wake Forest went through that. They had a really rough. They had terrible weather for their spring game and had a pretty minimal turnout. And that, I mean, that happens, man. Like that's the way it goes. It would happen over in Athens too if the weather was bad, or exactly. if there was something else going on. You know, they used to do when I covered Georgia. They did their spring game, and a lot of times it overlapped with the Masters, and they would have. They never had a ton of people there, like. That's the craziest part to me, too, is they, they post, like, all these people, you'll see these pictures all on Twitter, and the difference is literally right in the picture. If you look in the sky, one is a dark sky with rain clouds everywhere, and the other one, you can't even see a cloud. It's literally like a perfect day. And, yeah, and, and I mean, <laughs> if it's a nice day and you want to go check out your new quarterback or, you know, everybody's always excited about the backup quarterback. That was a big news out of Georgia spring game, right? Mm-hmm. People were excited about Justin Fields. So, like, people will go out and watch that. If you have – I think next year, next spring, will probably be a huge turnout for Georgia Tech if the weather's good because you're probably going to have a real open quarterback controversy with four or five guys competing for a starting job. So like, Yeah, definitely. You know, that, that tends to draw people out, too. And if you have a good season, people come out. But, I mean, you know, the thing, and I got an argument on Twitter with some people about this, too, is if, if I live in Starkville, Mississippi, or the surrounding area, and there's a spring game, I'm going to go to it. Because there's not a lot of things to do, like to go out as a family or as a social event, right? If you're not in a town where there's Taste of Atlanta or concerts every day. You know, like there's... Just, that's not going on. If you're in Atlanta, 
and you have kids, like, I mean, you know, bless my wife. She takes my son to a lot of stuff right? Um, because I can't because I'm going to the Georgia Tech spring game on Friday night or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, people, that's the other thing people don't realize that um, a lot of this is predicated on, like, what, what you're able to do and, like, what you're – social situation or socioeconomic st- station. Um, uh, there's so many things that factor into that. And Man, at the end of the day, it, it truly just doesn't matter at all. It, no, and if you like, normally draw 90,000 people, if you draw 25 to 40 for a spring game, that's pretty normal, right? If you draw 40 to 50, if you draw between seven and 10,000 people, that's pretty good. You're not going to expect more than about a quarter or a third of your fans that come to games to come to a spring game just in general like it doesn't happen hell even when the scrimmages were open at georgia tech they had open spring scrimmages or open fall scrimmages uh-huh. there would be if you know there weren't even a thousand people there like and that's actually more interesting than a spring game because you got people competing for jobs a spring game i went all, to his, all, I went to his, the spring game is straight up basically an exhibition like it's not they're not competing for jobs or anything anymore they're just trying to have fun yeah they're just playing in the spring right and their family yeah so it's totally different atmosphere than what you see at a regular scrimmage and the intensity is way different Um, i went to a uh, do you remember the the i think it was like 20 it may have been 2014 it was the year that deandre smelter made that really nice one-handed catch during scrimmage I think it made it on like Sports Center top ten and everything. I want to say it was twenty fourteen, um, but yeah, I went to a scrimmage and it was it was a lot of fun. There, were, like you said, there. I mean, there wasn't hardly anybody there, but it was still a great time because they were out there playing with you know high energy and everybody was doing their best. And you yeah. can see, I mean, it's a noticeable difference between that and a spring game. Yeah, and so that's the other thing people got to keep in mind too. There's a bot. You know, people get hyped up like like you know just even talking about Trey Jackson, right? Trey Jackson had a good spring scrimmage. We have mm-hmm. you don't really know what he did for the other fourteen days that they practiced this spring, right. and that's the body of work is what gets you the playing time. It's not one or two things, you know, unless you're just amazing and like you bust a kick return or something, do something really weird. Um, chances are you're not going to change your status with the team off of spring game performance, and so. You know, people got to keep that in mind, and that's sort of the downside. One of the th- reasons why Paul Johnson has things closed, and I, I get it, man. Like, you know, if practice when practice was open after the social media picked up, it was a nightmare for those coaches because people just talked about everything that went on. Well, my son, you know, he had three catches today. Well, your son was going against, you know, a walk-on cornerback. Like, <laughs> and that's the stuff they have to deal with, right? So, like, there's no upside to it. So. That's why everyone's closed things down. It's not just Paul Johnson. It's everywhere in college football, really. I mean, unless you're just desperate for attention, you're going to close things down and try to button it up. And um, I get it. And I would do the same thing if it was in my circumstance. That doesn't mean I enjoy it as a someone who covers the team, right? Like, I would prefer that everything's open. And um, But, you know, it got to be much, too. I mean, I think the first year I covered – First two years I covered Georgia Tech, every practice was open. So, like, Dang. you would get – I would be covered in sunscreen and <laughs> just, like, complaining about how hot it was out there and, 
You know, like, it's such a different animal than now watching, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes of practice. Like, it's just a different, it's just a whole different animal. So, um, you know, things change, life changes, and uh, I think, you, you know, this is one of the things that actually worked out well for them. They generated a lot of interest by kind of being cool and not having a lot of stuff out there, and people wanted to come see the team. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was a really – it was a good time. I I had a good time. brought my girlfriend out there. She's not even a Georgia Tech fan, but, I, I mean, I think she enjoyed herself. It was I mean, it was a fun time. We walked over into the uh, – into the uh, – what am I trying to say? The this, the press box side. Mm-hmm. We tried to find some seats over there, and we couldn't. So we had to walk all the way around to the other side and sit in the gold seats. So Yeah, some guy was, you know, giving me grief on Twitter about the people, and uh, Riley pointed out that, the side that was, was the cam, which is the side the cameras face. It, it was uh, that's where the sun was. So everyone came in on the press box side where it was shaded right. at the beginning yeah. of the scrimmage, and so mm-hmm. uh, it sort of gave kind of a weird. It was a little different visual, like if you were just trying to figure out how many people were at a game. But uh, when you actually, when I looked down from where I sit in the press box. It was packed. Like that's the most people I've seen. So either know. way, they'll try to the media. I mean, obviously not Georgia Tech media, but other you know other places will always try to twist the numbers and you know use pictures from from years ago and pretend like it was this year. So I mean, it's, it's like I said though. I mean, it's not a big deal. It just gets a little bit frustrating at times. But well, that's that's part of being a fan in the uh, age of social media. Uh, that's the truth. I never had those problems back in the day. Just part of it, I guess. It's just manipulative, and people actually believe everything that they see. So, well, that's something people shouldn't do. So, but uh, on that cheery note, I think we'll wrap the, <laughs> this one up. Um, we'll be back. We're going to be intermittent throughout the uh, off season. Um, we'll try to have, uh, as I'm able to catch up with some old players, we're going to have some special podcasts there. We may try to get a player or two from Georgia Tech on, um, assuming the schedules can line up. And uh, we'll, we'll come to you when we can, when there's something interesting to talk about. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening and uh, tuning in to the Jackets Online podcast. You can check out our work on jacketsonline.com. For Jared Hallis, I'm Kelly Coleman, and we'll see you again soon.